The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's the last Wednesday of the month, which makes it question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And that means that without you and your questions, there is no program. So let's talk about how you can get any question that you have about real estate investing uh, answered today. Uh, there's a couple ways. Number one, there's the brave way where, where, where people will hear your voice on the radio and you'll worry that you're going to stumble over your words or, or, or embarrass yourself or say something silly and that all of your friends are going to be listening to real life real estate investing. But it's also the way that I get to ask questions back. So if I need clarification on what you're asking, I can do that. That's the phone number, right? That's that's call. Call. 877-772-9658. 877-772-9658 is the number to call in with any questions that you have about finding deals, financing them, selling them, renting them, screening tenants, anything that you would like to discuss uh, in regards to real estate investing you can also do it the chicken way you can do it the way where there's just absolutely no danger that you're going to sound anything other than like a very composed person and that's send an email the way you do that is you go to our website at realliferealestate.com that's realliferealestate.com if you go to that website you will see a uh a tab up on the top of the page and it says ask a question if you fill out that form uh, and send it in I will get it here via email uh, although those do seem to take about 10 minutes to come over so um, you know do that early in the show if you're gonna send an email do it early in the show again that's realliferealestate.com the ask a question tab up at the top will get your questions in so while we are waiting for our First questions to come in here today and question and answer week on real life real estate investing. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati does not have a meeting this week. Someone someone asked me about that today. Hey, isn't it isn't it isn't it time for a RIA meeting? No, this is the fourth Thursday of the month. However, the first Thursday of the month falls on November the 3rd, next week, which is also, if you're doing the math, the first day of the OREA National Real Estate Summit. So um, 
the thing is that rather than try and hold a RIA meeting that evening, because no, no one will be there, everybody will be at the summit, the Cincinnati RIA meeting will be held at the Great Wolf Lodge on November 3rd as part of the summit. If you are a Cincinnati RIA member, do not go to the usual location in Blue Ash. It will be at the Great Wolf Lodge. The topic will be the past and future of the IRS, uh, IRS the IRA industry. Try to squash those words together. The IRA industry. The speaker will be Dick Desich, who is the founder of Equity Trust Company, which is like, I don't know, the biggest self-directed IRA company in the country, at least as it, at least, you know, in terms of who does real estate deals. And he's going to be talking about his experiences, you know, starting in, starting in, in that industry in the seventies and what's happened since then and what's likely to happen in the future. So that meeting is free and open to the public. You can download a guest pass at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. But just wanted to give you a week's worth of heads up not to show up at the usual location because it is not going, there's no, not going to be anybody there except you if you show up there. It's question and answer week on real life real estate investing, and um, that means whatever questions you have about getting started, getting out of the business, uh, anything that might be bugging you uh, this week that would help you get further along in your real estate investing career is um, definitely up for potential, you know, answering today. You just have to call us at 877-772-9658 or uh, get, send an email via the realliferealestate.com website. Um, have a question here from Rob who sit, uh, says, I, I hope all is well. Quick question. I recall about a year ago there was discussion about criminal background checks and not being allowed to turn down a rental applicant because of certain crimes am i remembering correctly i have a prospective tenant who served time for some felonies charged back around 1990 the problem is he disclosed this before i took the app i don't have any other reason to disqualify him okay so rob it's funny because uh you say this there's a there's a raging debate going on on my website on real life real uh, on uh sorry uh, arigoddess.com because I posted an article about this uh, four or five months ago. Um, there was a new HUD guideline that came out that said that uh, felonies were no longer, HUD, again, guideline, HUD guideline, that said felonies were no longer a reason for automatic rejection. It didn't have to do with like, what kind of felonies or, you know, do I have to take people who are robbers? No, it, was, it wasn't anything like that. It just said that, you know, many landlords have as part of their screening process that um, they won't take felons, period, end of story. No matter when the felony was committed, no matter what the nature of it was, whatever. And HUD uh, came out with a paper, and you can read it if you go to if you go to com, and you're going to have to scroll down a little bit because this was a few months ago. Um, they came out with a with a kind of a white paper that said without giving us too much direction about what we could do, told us what we couldn't do, which was just consider all felonies as an automatic rejection. The debate that's going on right now is um, there, there's a couple of folks saying, you know, because, because Vina, you take federal money, 
for your rentals, which I do not. There's, there seems to be some assumption out there amongst, I don't know, the public that like every landlord is getting a check from the federal government. Like everybody gets Section 8 or something. And of course, which is, of course, not true. But the but the, the argument they're making is because you take federal money, you must do what the federal government says. You've tied yourself up to them, except guess what? I don't take Section 8. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I'm like being horribly abused for something that's not not even happening. But anyway, if you go and you look at that, um, you look at that uh, article, you can you can see the link where you can go read the actual white paper. The other thing is, honestly, a a felony that was that old. Uh, the, the the other thing that these 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 folks on my blog are assuming is that my policy is do not rent to felons, and it is in fact not. My policy is not to do not rent to felons. My policy has to do with felonies within the last five years. So if you if this guy was charged in 1990 and served his time and you know got out in 95 or you know, it's been it's been what 10 15 years and he hasn't there's been no recidivism. My own policy would probably say take him. Because, I mean, at some point you got to say, well, that was just a, a mistake of youth or something because it, it hasn't happened since then, right? So, you know, you got you to gotta look at the facts of each case separately. You know, did, he, did, did, his, did his rape charge involve a minor and is he on the sexual predators list and therefore can't live in your house because it's within a certain distance from a school or daycare? You know, that's a different situation. But I wouldn't get, personally, I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about somebody who has a I don't even know how long ago that was, 26-year-old 20, felony. That's not, not that big a deal. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you for your email, Rob. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Bill in Cincinnati. It's a question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate Investing, 877-772-9658, or go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, that means any question that you have is fair game today. Um, no particular topic, but uh, do need your questions or there's no show. So 877-772-9658 uh, is the number to call, or you can send us an email. You can go to realliferealestate.com. There's a button up at the top that says ask a question click that let us know where you're writing from because sometimes that becomes like really important in the answering of the question let's go ahead and go to line one and talk to bill who is here in cincinnati bill welcome to real life real estate bill are you there bill it sounds like the line's open but i don't hear bill yeah we may bill if you can hear me just stay on the line we may have uh we may have a problem between the what's happening at the front of the offices here in the studio and uh we will try and make sure that we got you here i bet bill's there now bill are you there <laughs> yes i am there you are thank you for thank you for holding on this this happens sometimes that we get the lines literally crossed between the reception desk and the studio uh so what can i do for you today bill well, back in the 80s, I bought five buildings and restored them up in the Liberty Hill area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've sold one just recently and had three people competing to buy it. So things are beginning to happen up there. And I'm getting old, and I can't 
manage these buildings by myself anymore, so I want to sell them. Mm -hmm. And speaking with most people seem to think that because I have individual furnaces and water heaters and air conditioning, all that, in each apartment, they're all separate, Mm -hmm. to convert to a conversion to condos, Mm -hmm. which is going to require some money, legal fees and... I believe, uh, survey fees. Okay, yep. And my idea, my thought was I'd make more money than selling it as an individual building as opposed to three condos in that or five condos in another and five in another. Mm -hmm. So my first order of business is how do you go about finding somebody that specializes in condo agreements and in survey work for conversion to condo. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will, uh, when, when we're done with our call, I'm going to have Mike put you on hold, and then Matt is going to run up to the front and uh, grab the phone and give you a recommendation on a condo attorney. Yeah. Because it is a special a special area of the law. Not not every attorney can can create the agreements and so on. She will probably also have uh, the surveyor you need because what 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 needs to happen here is that the buildings need to be resurveyed so that a deed can be created for each individual for each unit. unit, and then mm-hmm. and then as you say, there has to be a homeowners association agreement. Uh, created by the attorney and you know there there is a there's a question here of maximizing the money versus minimizing the how long is this going to take and how how hard is it going to be and all that sort of thing and i think something something that that you should probably do now is go ahead and and comp what the properties would be worth as condos because you said you said you renovate them in the 80s right but right now as people as an apartment turns over Mm -hmm. i'm going in new kitchens new bathrooms new finished floors paint everything got it and that kind of thing now all these apartments have wood-burning fireplaces and views of the city that was the general idea so i think with a building across from one of my buildings, there's $3.8 million going into three units over there, mm-hmm. that there should be some pretty good value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to compare it. You have to you have to say, so if if I had these three, if I had these, what you, you said you're going to have 13 condos by the time the dust settles here. Yeah. These, these 13 individual units after I have renovated them to the level that people are expecting. And I should explain, Bill, let me step back for a second, because we have a, we actually have a national listenership here that is probably going, what the heck is Liberty Hill? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chunk of Cincinnati. Cincinnati is built on a series of hills, and downtown's kind of in a bowl, if you will. And Liberty Hill is, the, is one of the hills that, that uh, goes, if you, were, if you were facing the river, Liberty Hill kind of goes straight uphill, and it does have some beautiful old old houses built, you know, anywhere from 1880 to the 1920s. 
Um, it's a uh, over the Rhine, which is our downtown area, is 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 going through this huge uh, renaissance right now. And this is actually the second. And Bill, you remember this? This is the second go round for Liberty Hill. Oh yeah. Because it got it got kind of hot in the in the in the 90s, and then 90s. when the market crashed. A lot of the projects that were getting that had gotten started just stopped. <laughs> they were just like mid rehab. <laughs> they, they just they just ended, and those properties went through foreclosure. So this is the second go around for Liberty Hill. And y- yeah, I mean, in general, when you run the numbers in an area like that, the condos are worth significantly more than the That's apartments. That's what I thought. But, That's what I thought. But Bill, let's, let's. I can take. Seven and a half, eight times gross earnings well, on the building. Let's let's be real careful of one thing, and that is people who are buying those condos across the street from you and the ones down in over the Rhine are expecting a level of fit and finish that is way above if the same unit were in Clifton, you know, one more neighborhood up. Right. So so you're going to spend you're going to spend more to get them to the level where they're really desirable and you know when I whenever I am looking at a project like this that I'm kind of I think I understand it but I'm not 100% sure what I do is I spend a Sunday going around and touring all the open houses of all the condos that are on the market yes to make sure that I understand that you know these folks expect viking stoves or do they or do they just you know it's just dinner okay you know what I'm saying so I would you're do right. that, but it, so, yeah, you're right. You, then, need, you need an attorney. You need a survey. You need a deed. You need HOAs for each unit. You need to understand what the what the finish is that folks are expecting in those in that particular area. But overall, gut feel, you're probably right. Yeah, I'm thinking I could do better. It would be work. But I've got, I'm 73 years old. If I can do it in three years, I'm out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I come up with a figure that I think I could sell these buildings for based on income of the buildings. And then go find out what my cost, approximate cost of surveys and attorney's fees and upgrade. Mm-hmm. Take all that and compare the two, and I should know something. Yeah, and the other thing that ho- hopefully your uh, condo attorney will know is: Are you going to have any zoning issues? You usually in Cincinnati, anyway, when you're converting multi, when you're when you're converting, I've got a five-unit apartment building to I have you know single-unit dwellings. They don't give you any trouble. It's the other way around that they're going to give you trouble is if you say, well, I have this one family and I want to turn it into a two family. What you're saying is I've got five units that I've got a five unit building that I want to turn into five separately deeded units. And I think usually you don't have a problem with that, but I'm not a zoning expert. So make sure that, that your attorney looks into zoning. That brings up a question. Uh, I have a three family and a five family on a national historic list. Mm-hmm. Is that going to create a problem? Um, usually the historic register, uh, only affects the, what what you can, the way you can renovate the outside. 
Like they, they right. if you're on if you're exactly. on the National Historic Register, you can't typically replace your wood windows with vinyl windows. If you're going to replace them, they have to be at least wood clad windows, that sort of thing. Uh, it's something to look into. I, I doubt it. Because uh, generally, you know, building being on the National Historic Register, it, it only ends up, um, if anything, affecting what you can do on the outside. Now, what does affect very seriously, and anybody looking at doing a historic rehab needs to look at this, if you are on the city, if you are in one of the city's historic districts. Which Liberty Hill is. Okay, so that's, that's and there's different ones for Cincinnati, Newport, Covington, like there's there's... There are houses in historic districts in our area that if you looked at the area, you'd be like, why is this a historic district? What is, like, what's special about it? There's no, there's no, you know, even commonality of, of construction here. And it's the city. If someone's going to give you trouble about saying, oh, well, no, you can't convert this. It's, it's going to be the city because of their historic district, not the National Historic Register. Well, so, I've always found the national was tougher than the city. But that was years ago when people would work with you with the city. Mm-hmm. Now it's a different story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, you've been a great help. I will hang on yes. with pen and pencil in my hand Yes, and try to come up with uh, some, some answers. Yes, yes, and then just, you know, go to an expert like you would with anything okay okay thank right. you thank you for your call bill you're listening to real life real estate investing i'm your host vena jones cox and uh it's question and answer week here on real life real estates and uh we're going to take a break but hey we'll talk about anything as you can see 877-772-9658 or uh send an email by going to realliferealestate.com Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. I am in the studio in sweats from head to toe because it's a week before the OREA convention. And that makes it a busy week for all of us in the local real estate business here because, gosh, we have like seriously 70 or 80 volunteers that make this thing run and they're gearing up to take stuff to the hotel and package up goodie bags for our VIPs and greet the speakers and all that sort of stuff. So I made a new rule that I don't have to get out of my sweatpants for the entire two weeks before the convention. And, you know, you still have an opportunity to come to that. Um, There is still one more seat left at uh, wmkvfm.org at a discounted price that is not available to the public. I'll just clue you in. It's under $200 to come to all four days of that and hear people talk about, hear experts, like not just people, not, not just folks who decided to talk about it, but like people who are doing it, talk about everything from senior housing to how to negotiate better with sellers, to how to find deals, especially, you know, right now with the market being so tight, um, how to automate your wholesaling business. It's an amazing event, and you can support public radio and sign yourself up by going to wmkvfm.org right now. But don't do that before you, you, you send a question in, because, you know, it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. 877-772-9658 is the number to call, or you can send an email. Just go to realliferealestate.com. Let's go ahead and go to Justin, 
who is on line one in Seattle. Justin, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Vina. How are you? I'm good. How's the weather in Seattle? Uh, it's really crummy right now. I've gotten drenched a couple times today. Mm. But it actually doesn't rain as much. I'm actually from your neck of the woods. It actually doesn't rain as much here as it, people think it does. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Yeah, every time so, somebody um, calls from Seattle, I ask that question. And and every time I get the same, I get the same, don't tell anybody, but it doesn't actually rain here that much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the word's out now, right? Like <laughs> nationally syndicated radio shows. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, they're going to take so, away your card now. <laughs> so, uh, well, first, like, uh, hopefully you'll make a trip back out here soon to visit us at the local Real Estate Investors Association. Um, and I look forward to seeing you talk and, you know, any opportunity I get. Um, so, but I have a question for you today, uh, and it's about how to structure a partnership um, on some properties, about 13, 13 single-family homes uh, sold as a unit. And by the way, I'm at the train station. So I hear it, that. Noise. <laughs> so I apologize. I was like, hey, what better time? To, the train's delayed. I got a caller. Um, so this is the situation. So these are seller carry back financing, um, seller carry back financing situation with the opportunity to um, rehab some properties. Rent hasn't been changed in quite some time. I figured out the numbers, but I have these two guys who brought this opportunity to me and they want to trustworthy people don't mind partnering with them. However, I'm the only one that can bring some money to the table to make the deal happen. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out the best way to position it, especially that I'm protected. And at the same time, like how did they get, how do I get them to have skin in the game? Um, gotcha. From an equity standpoint. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so so whatever we talk about here, Justin, you're gonna you're gonna then call up an attorney, and go over it with them and make sure that they've that they agree that they've t- they've taken a look at something that we're not going to look at, which is the t- the tax situation of you and these potential partners. Correct. And um, get it get it all hammered down right, okay? Because like if if you and I were sitting across from each other, I'd be having you draw me a picture of. of of what this looked like so far, and it's it's a little tougher on the radio. But um, are these local to you? Are these single-family homes local? Yes, they are. Okay, and uh, give me like a, a a gross price for all thirteen. About one point three million. Okay, and what is the gross after repaired value? Uh, about one point seven. And what is the upgrade cost? I'm sorry. What's the upgrade costs? Uh, probably about uh, between fifty and seventy-five thousand. I'm guessing. Not all of them have I had the opportunity to walk through. Um, so that's something that's still outstanding. Okay, that's a low number. How how long have these? How long has it been since these were rehabbed? Well, that's the thing. Some of them have re- been rehabbed in the last five years or so, and some of them it's been like fifteen years. Okay. So. Okay, my um, gut feeling is that 13 renter-occupied properties are probably going to need more than $75,000 in work, but that is something to be determined, obviously. Okay, Um, I can recalculate that, yep. Seller seller is carrying back how much of this? The seller is carrying back 95%. Okay, and what kind of terms? 
30-year, uh, 2.5%. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm trying to shake myself awake. Did you just say <laughs> that the, the seller is doing 30-year, 2.5% financing on this? Yep. Is, the guy just wants rid of the properties. He lives out of state. He has 90 other properties he owns in the state that he lives in, and he's just done making trips to Washington. Is there a balloon? Currently, there is no balloon. He was concerned about uh, Dodd-Frank and how that would all work out if there was a balloon on it, and I told him to t- touch base with his counsel. Okay, on, don't don't you know, tell him this, but Dodd-Frank doesn't apply to this scenario. It, it... Right, right. I <laughs> Yeah, I... I know that, but I didn't want to give him legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, wow. So in one sense, it almost doesn't matter what you pay for these properties because this financing right. I, 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 is so attractive. <laughs> right. I can pay him exactly what he wants, essentially. I don't have to neg- negotiate on price because the terms are good. Yeah. So what did the so somebody else actually brought you this deal in the sense that they what said, Hey, there's this guy that wants to sell or that they negotiated the deal and then brought no, it to so, you. So basically, um, there's a, a realtor friend of mine who basically just cold calls, you know, non non owner occupied free and clear properties and then tries to not even really wholesale them. Um, he's kind of a novice still in the whole real estate investing side. He's a good realtor, mm-hmm. and but he wants some skin in the game. He's like, hey, you know, I'll bring this to you. Can you negotiate this? Con- you know, I know you know some stuff about seller carryback financing. I know you've done some other deals. Um, and then my business partner, I'm a financial planner by heart or by training, but and by heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and my business partner um, brought this to me. First, he brought it to him, then he brought it to me, and he really doesn't have the means or the knowledge neither to structure the the deal neither so so but at the same time i don't want to cut these guys out because they're you know they did me a solid bringing me this good opportunity sure and but at the same time i want to protect the you know the equity of, or excuse me the money that i'll put into this this deal to make it happen sure so so the realtor was basically bird dogging Correct. And the only the only involvement that this third guy had was that the realtor came to him first and then he punted to you. Correct. And they don't have any money to put in. They didn't negotiate the deal. They didn't have the knowledge to negotiate the deal. And they're not going to be doing the rehab or management. Well, they say they'll do the rehab and management, but saying, saying one thing is, and doing it is two, two different things. So that's one of the things I, I had a question for you about is like, you know, how, how do I contractually obligate or how, how does one position the contract, the, the, the partnership such that that's their obligation and that's how they gain equity in the property or um, equity in the, the deal? Well, there's one like, like so, so, so in my opinion, the agent has already earned something. He's already earned a bird dog fee. For for just having Correct. you know kind of kind of done the legwork to to bring it to your attention. Now, how much is that? The fact that it's one point three million dollars worth of properties does not make that equal thirty thousand dollars or something like that, right? Because because really the it would have gone nowhere had you not had both the knowledge and the money to make it work. So you have like two of the three legs of the triangle here, <laughs> where Correct. where you know the, tri- the triangle is money. 
and its knowledge and skill and its time. And he was he put in one leg, and you have both of the other two yourself. So he's got he's got you know some kind of a, of, of a fee coming. And what what kind of between you and me, what kind of worries me is that the numbers are so big here that these guys might feel entitled to a big chunk of what is really you're taking all the risk you have all the knowledge you have all the commitment to it and that they're going well 1.3 million dollars i should get at least 200,000 when there's not there's not enough equity to to even um start to justify that so the way let me let me answer the question you asked and then i'll go back to the question that i want to ask here the question, okay. the question that you asked about how how do you contractually obligate them to doing pieces of the work here for part of the money is don't try. Property management is a job that you hire someone to do. It is not a job that you put that you give to a partner for equity, because for okay. exact for the exactly re- the reason you've already thought of, which is what if they stop. Right, exactly. Or what if they don't do a good job? What if they turn out to be a terrible property manager? So, so a reward for the for the agent, other than I think you should throw him some cash, um, or his broker some cash. Let's be accurate about that. Is hey, I will sign the property management agreement with you under the same terms that I would sign a property management agreement with anyone. As long as you do a good job, dude, you have this forever. You have this until I sell the property. Okay, but I can't. You know, we that that that's a different thing than being an owner. Um, the rehabber guy, same exact thing. You don't you don't you don't let people trade work for equity in this kind of situation because if he does a bad job, if he does half the job and walks off, if he does, you're left to clean up the mess, and yet he's still part owner of your deal here. So the bottom exactly. line is, if if they got any of the deal at all, and I I'm not sure I would I would try and avoid that. I would make them like minority shareholders, just like, look, you did good. I'll give you a, I'll give you know realtor. I'll give you ten thousand bucks, depending on what the equity says is is okay to give away. I'll give you ten thousand bucks in the management job partner who just made the call. I'll give you a few thousand dollars on the rehab job, and I'll make you each 2% partners over the long haul here, but come on, seriously. And I'll consider more, but you got to bring money to the table. You, you want to be, right. be more of an equal partner, you got to be more equal in putting the money in. Because I can hire people to do rehab. You can't hire people to negotiate this deal and put the money in. Exactly. And that's not their expertise anyway. So Exactly. exactly. So, Excellent. you know, it's, it's, it's entirely possible that they, that they might be, you know, they might have stars in their eyes about this because the, because the number looks so big. But realistically, I think that you're going to find between deferred maintenance and stuff that really should be upgraded, even though, like, as long as the tenant's in it, it doesn't have to be done. But when the tenant moves, really, it should have a new kitchen, that sort of thing. That you're going to find that the rehab costs are closer to 150 Okay. Or maybe because because if you have a ten year old roof, you got to figure you only have half a roof. Right. So, so I should calculate my capex a little higher. Right. So so you know I I think I think in terms of of actual at this moment equity, what you probably have is two hundred fifty thousand, maybe three hundred thousand. 
but okay. they're but they're seeing the numbers one point seven million. You know, <laughs> saying, "Oh, what's my part of that?" So just, just explaining cash on cash and cap rate to them was like a chore. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay, so cool. have you had any discussion with them about what they might be looking for or hoping for here? Yeah, they're really looking for a long term equal. You know, third, a third, a third. No, and, no, positively and, not. No, exactly. That's why. That's why I'm calling you. Exactly. No. That's what I was thinking as well. So. No, no, no. Let me let me say it a different way. Um, I would give each of them a third of the ownership if each of them could put in twenty five percent of the money. Right. Because they've already done one thing here, right? Which was sort of bring the deal to the table. But think about this: who, if this all goes south, who is losing one hundred percent of the money? Yep. It's it's not them. So the the way I would like to see this come out for for your sake is there is an LLC that owns all of these properties and you are at least the 95% owner of that LLC and if they have 5% that they split between them they're non-voting non-decision making partners who who honestly you have you have thrown them crumbs because you like them. There's not they haven't done anything here that calls for an ownership interest now again if if the rehabber guy wants the rehab contract great give it to him fire him if it doesn't work if the realtor wants the property management part great give it to him fire him if it doesn't work you got to be you got to be looking out for for your investment of time energy and money here and the only investment that they have made is cold call and then call justin exactly okay Thank you. And, and and what was your question? You said you had a question as well. Well, it was it was it was about what what did they what were their expectations? And oh, okay. You know, I yeah. get it. I get it. When I was a when I was a brand new investor, <laughs> I thought that hooking up somebody with a deal was worth half the deal too. <laughs> and it's only it's only from the perspective of of years of of having seen what can go wrong with rental properties. You know, unexpected things, tenant lawsuits. Um, neighborhood declines around your house and and the value drops through nothing that you did you know there's there's all sorts of things that can go on that they are not taking any of the risk of and and they can t- say right. they can say all day long oh don't worry justin we're going to do 100% of the work but when the dust settles that is not going to be what ends up happening they they are, it, it is very easy for them to walk away and very hard for you to walk away Exactly. And, and another one of my concerns about the whole thing was that they're like, oh, and then we can, like, you know, refinance and, and sell this pro- these, oh, we these can? particular properties off. And, I, and I'm like, well, wait, like, the reason that we're doing this is to help somebody else out with their problem. That's the reason they're doing carry, seller carry back financing. So if we do that, it kind of screws them in the end, right? So. So well, and I've also been with a lot of things like that. What's that? Also, are they going to be are they going to be putting down each a third of the money to pay exactly. for thirteen appraisals? <laughs> and is their credit so. going to support it? And also, if you pay off a two a two and a half percent thirty year loan, I'm going to find you and I'm going to beat you. Why would you ever pay off a two and a half percent thirty year loan? Exactly. Exactly. I get it. Yep. I well. It's, it's, and that's what we preach to people all day long as, you know, wealth advisors is, hey, it's like interest arbitrage. Right? Exactly. You can do that. But um, <laughs> anyway, sorry about the background noise. I apologize. It's okay. 
All right. Well, I appreciate your call, Justin. Uh, definitely one of the one of the more interesting ones we've gotten here on on question and answer week. And uh, you know, sit down sit down with an attorney. But I think the the, the hard part here is going to be sitting these guys down and bringing their expectations back to something closer to reality. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much for your help. And um, you know, thank you so much. Just. Make sure that next time you're in Seattle, I'll find you, and I'll say I'm that guy with the 2.5%. 2. <laughs> you bet. Care about All right. You take care. All Bye-bye. right. Thanks for your call. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, after which we will pick up the last of the questions here on Question and Answer Week. If you have a last-minute question, 877-772-9658. Or send an email by going to realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Y'all know about realliferealestate.com, right? That's where we post the podcasts from prior shows. And you have the uh, opportunity to sign up to get weekly e-letters that tell you what's going on on the program and um, also you know have articles by and about our guests so um, you might want to go there and just just check it out kind of kind of stay tuned with all the different stuff that's going on we we do webinars from time to time and um, have other things going on that you might be interested in finding out more about, and you're not going to know about it unless you make us part of your trusted emails. Um, promise, promise, I won't, I won't spam you. Just uh, go to realliferealestate.com and get signed up for our uh, weekly emails. Um, question here from Cynthia from Bradenton, Florida. She says, in regards to this issue of having to rent to felons, how do I even find out whether or not a potential tenant has had a felony? Okay. <sighs> After the convention, we're going to have somebody from Fair Housing come in here and talk about this because <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times I say the law doesn't say that like a felon gets an automatic pass <laughs> and it doesn't say you have to rent to every felon. And it's not it's not strictly speaking a law. It's it's HUD saying, well, this, this is how we are going to choose to enforce fair housing law going forward, which in a sense is, I guess, equivalent to... Um, a law in the sense that they are going to enforce it that way until somebody steps in and says something different. We're going to get some fair housing folks in here in a couple, in a week or two to talk about what this actually says and means, because clearly folks are not clear a hundred percent understanding it. But in answer to your question, Cynthia, um, most, most tenant checking services, uh, and I, I, you know, there's, there's a bunch of them, um, that you can subscribe to do do criminal background checks and they will tell you if there's a if there's a crime and at least what they can find in the public record about what the nature of that was more importantly in most places it's not that hard to just go online and find criminal records like here here in our area you can you can let's all go to the courthouse's site and see if somebody's been um arrested and then whether that arrest led to probation or whatever it's a little 
it's a little tricky when you're talking about particularly things like um, drug felonies will often get pled down. So what you see in the records is that the arrest was for uh, distribution, but that the actual sentence was for possession. So it, it got pled down during a during a, a plea bargain. So you don't you don't always. I don't always feel like uh, like I 100% understand what the nature of the crime was. I do find that most people are pretty honest about it, if you ask them. Um, also, as I said to the previous uh, uh, emailer, uh, a really old felony. Uh, we, we actually had an application today from somebody who had a, a, a possession and dealing um, felony, but it was it was literally like 14 years old. And there had been nothing since then, like no parole violations, no, not so much as a traffic ticket since then. And so um, we didn't consider that as part of the application. Um, and and even, again, don't don't get hung up on the idea that like felons are a protected class to the level that like I have to rent to one, even if they don't make enough money to pay for the unit, because that's that's crazy. You've got all sorts of issues that you can screen people for and one of which is actually their felony record you just can't automatically reject people anymore because of their felony record so um try your local courthouse because i think that's that's where you get the most detailed information but at the same time uh most of the big uh, credit checkings or not credit checking tenant checking services will run those reports for you as well so I hope that answers your question, Cynthia, and thank you for it. Um, we are done. Thanks to all the folks who sent in questions during this question and answer week. Appreciate you listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, and we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.